Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey, y'all. Normally, this is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we would talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, but since most theaters are closed, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching here at home. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about two white-knuckle thrill rides. The first is 1997's Breakdown, Yep. starring Kurt Russell, and the second is 2003's The Hunted, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro. We say a lot on the show, you know, they don't make them like they used to. And these two films are prime examples of the types of movies that most studios have abandoned. Original, mid-range movies for adults. Yeah. And uh, so let's talk about Breakdown. The IMDb plot summary reads, A man searches for his missing wife after his car breaks down in the middle of the desert. This movie has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it made about $50 million back in 1997. So this did okay. It wasn't huge. It wasn't a flop. Uh, I feel like... Uh, this is a movie that's mostly been forgotten over time. Well, I've never seen it before yesterday, so I can't tell you if it's been forgotten over time. But this isn't a movie you, you hear a lot about. No, you don't. No. I've, I've never heard about it before just, you introduced it to me. This is just one of those mid-range movies. It's just, it's kind of just a modestly scaled movie. How much did this movie cost to make? Uh, the listed budget I see is $35 million. That's not bad, because it, it looks more than that. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a good-looking movie. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a fair amount of action. A lot of action. Especially at the end. I mean, at yeah. the end, I mean, I mean, it turns into, like, Mad Max uh, for, for a minute or two. <laughs> well, like, tractor trailers flipping. Yeah. <laughs> well, cars going through tractor trailers. That's right. Yeah, just yeah. doing flips through trailers. Yeah. And driving off bridges. It's Yeah, it gets pretty spectacular at the end. Uh, but at... Uh, at the beginning, we're we're just kind of riding along with Kurt Russell and Kathleen Quinlan, who are both sporting the same exact haircut in these <laughs> opening scenes. His hair is kind of long. That, that was the hair in the 80s, 90s. Just kind of like a, a flowing... Yeah, that was the Mel Gibson juice. hair. That was like <laughs> Kevin Costner hair. Like the well, mullet. She, she but, has it too. I know. Okay. <laughs> but, but like the short, like... It, it, it works a little better for him. But yeah, they're they're both sporting the same do and You really see it when they get when their car breaks right. down and when the they're hair standing like, next like side by side. Yeah. yeah, there's a shot and it's like wow, like their hair is blowing in the same direction. It's the same length. But um yeah, we established pretty early on that, you know, they're moving I think cross country for a new job. For a new job, yeah. And you know, and they it, may they may have some some money problems kind of strapped. Yep. And, I mean, the movie establishes this just in, in the opening scenes of dialogue. And so, yeah, they have a little run-in with MC Ganey. Apparently, the guy pulled out in front of him. And- well, yeah, that's their run-in. Yeah, he, like, it, MC so Ganey. on the road. MC Ganey plays it like Kurt Russell, like, almost plowed into him. Yeah. But he actually pulled out deliberately. And, yeah, so they have a little, you know, little dialogue exchange at a gas station. And then... Right after that, they're they're riding along, and uh, the engine just gives out. Like it just everything just just stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's just pretty terrifying. And so while they're trying to figure it out, giant tractor trailer yeah comes up, big rig yeah. And lo and behold, it's our good friend J T. Walsh. Rest <laughs> in peace. Great character actor, J T. Walsh. Great villain. He he passed away right after this movie in 1998, but. 
I, he was always great and everything he he was in i've seen him be good and bad but yeah he he definitely plays bad guys really well yeah he plays a good villain and this is this is one of my this is one of his best roles i think and he's i mean he's a real real son of a bitch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a real bastard <laughs> But he pretends like to be a nice guy and, you know, offers to give them a ride to the nearby, ga- like, no, it was a diner. To me, to me, it's impressive that he's he's convincing as both the nice guy yeah. in the beginning and as, you know, just like the, the nightmare asshole yeah. that he's revealed to be. And so, yeah, he offers to give her a lift to like Bell's Diner, which is like 30 miles up. And... I don't know, like Kurt Russell's, they're going to call it a tow truck from there, I think. Yeah. And yeah, and then come back to get Kurt. But while he's kind of just waiting for them, tinkering around, he figures out what the deal was. Something was just unplugged. Yeah. A little electrical circuit. And so then he goes to Bell's Diner <laughs> and he meets a real shit kicker, short order cook. Well, yeah, I think he was probably the owner of the establishment. Played by Jack McGee. Yeah. He's yeah, he's not helpful. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, I guess I was just a little confused on like people at that diner were they a part of it? Did cuz I mean, they did not want to be helpful. Did they know like something was going on just didn't want to get involved? Like I just don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, I've seen this movie a bunch and I'm not I'm not sure. I don't think they might have some vague awareness that see yeah. like shit goes on in this town. <laughs> But they don't know the specifics, maybe, would yeah. be my guess. And, like, he doesn't want to know the specifics. But, yeah, no one's really helpful. And it's there that he meets Jack Noseworthy, who's who comes on like he has, um, like, a mental handicap. Yeah, like he's a slow, like he's he's got uh, learning disabilities or, you know, something slow in his brain. I wonder whatever happened to Jack Noseworthy. There's, there's a little period in the 90s yeah. when he was in a bunch. I mean, I know in the same year, he and Kathleen Quinlan, they were in this and Event Horizon. Two, I mean, two great movies yeah. in the same summer. Love it. He, Yeah, he. I mean, you know, whatever. It, <laughs> things happen. But um, he, he's pretty good in this. And yeah, he turns out to be, yeah, not, not mentally handicapped. No. <laughs> and another son of a bitch. He's a part of the gang. The gang of dudes that prey upon wealthy couples or wealthy people with nice cars. And these are just like like psycho rednecks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're psycho rednecks. They just want money. Back, backwater psychos. And you find out later that they're really serial killers. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that they've done this multiple times. There's a barn full of yeah, different license plates. There is a like, reference like, yeah. yeah, like we should have done them like we did the other couple. These are not good guys, and it's it's a credit to this movie and the actors that they are com- convincing as threatening assholes yeah. and, and just physical threats. Like Kurt Russell is definitely out of his element <laughs> amongst these guys. Yeah, and Kurt Russell, it's let's just talk about him for a second. I mean, he's he's kind of an underrated actor, I think. And this is he he's just he's in a great mode here where he's just kind of an everyman pushed to the extremes. Yeah. And that's not easy to do. Just that's not, wanted to get his wife back. That's, it's not easy to make that interesting or credible. And he does it. I mean, just his wardrobe. He's wearing like khakis and like in a pale blue like polo shirt. <laughs> like sweater vest. Yeah. It's, that just it kind of tells you right away who this guy is and like what his level of experience is. Yeah. And because he's Kurt Russell, I mean, we buy him credibly in these physical situations and he he's great in this. He, I'll tell you I mean, he's what. He's excellent. I was hooting and hollering. 
Anytime he got the upper hand yeah, on one of these I guys, I was like, oh my cheering. God, take him down. <laughs> There's a great scene, uh, maybe around midway, uh, where he's in the car with MC Ganey. In this scene, like Kurt Russell, he gets he gets the upper hand on him, and he ends up duct taping his neck oh my to the God. headrest yes. behind him, and while he's getting pulled over by the cops. Well, and so like it's he, like he's interrogating him, like he's going high speed, and then he slams on the brakes, and it ends up choking him out. Yeah, <laughs> like if he doesn't answer, he'll slam on the brakes and choke him out. Like that's a brilliant interrogation slash torture yeah. technique. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! And then the cop pulls in behind him. Thinking that Kirk Russell's a bad guy and this Earl guy gets loose and ends up killing the cop. This guy, yeah, this actor, it's Rex Lynn. And uh, Rex Lynn, he's actually in both of these films, Breakdown and The Hunted. He has a small role in The Hunted. Another good actor, Rex Lynn. And yeah, he gets shot dead. Yeah. And there's, I mean, kind of like uh, <laughs> like several dead bodies like strewn across like the desert road. And, and he was remember... the baddest Mamma Chama. Who, Earl? Yeah. I think, well, that and the, the truck driver. I think J.T. Walsh is... Well, he's the is, brains, but yeah. So, yeah, after that scene, you know, he has info on, you know, where the where the meeting place is, is at this gas station, and he finds J.T. Walsh, yep. plays, his character is Red Bar. Red. <laughs> That's a great name. God, such a country name. Like, I'm the Red and Earl. Red Bar, yeah. Earl, <laughs> it's like Deliverance. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, in a pretty cool stunt scene, uh, I mean, kind of reminiscent of Speed. Yeah. Like, with Keanu Reeves is under the bus. Uh, Kurt Russell, he, like, he jumps, like, as the truck is pulling out, he um, he runs and then kind of tucks himself under the carriage. Yep. And just from that carriage, like, while they're on the highway, from that carriage, he works his way up around to the side. Yeah. <laughs> and... He pulls himself in between so he can actually have a, like, yeah. he can sit somewhere. And it's a pretty great yeah. stunt sequence. I mean, obviously, I mean, you have a stunt double there. I mean, you're kind of, like, you know, hiding the face a little bit. But just great practical stunt work because this is all happening high speed on the freeway. And, again, like, you know, white knuckle stunt. Yeah. <laughs> this I is mean, stuff that puts you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. And then he, and then J Red. Red bar. Red bar goes <sighs> to, like, he, the, the meeting place was his house. And then, so you see him. I think they like change plans or something. Like once they find out, like Earl's dead. Well, yeah, and they had too much heat on them because yeah. they heard that a cop was killed. But this is probably the most disturbing and intense stretch of the film. You know, when you get a little glimpse of Red Bar's home life. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they pull into like this barn, and that's kind of where Kurt Russell is hiding out. He's kind of like up in a loft area, kind of like yep. spying down on them, so he has a good vantage point. And one of my favorite moments in the film is when, you know, they pull out the body bag and the body bag is limp and it looks like, you know, his wife might be dead in the bag. Yeah. And so much of that scene plays out off of Kurt's reaction. Yeah. And just the the range of emotions that he goes through. And then once she starts, you know, moving in the bag and kicking, just like the relief that you see on his face. uh, Again, that's uh, that's great acting. And so, yeah, they... They take her out of the, the body bag, right? Yeah. But they bring her down into a cellar and yep. toss her into like a a meat locker or yeah. something. Yeah, and the, like with and, no air in the basement. Yeah. She's gonna like suffocate yep. within like two hours. Yeah. So they wanted um, money from the couple. So this is the whole motive behind it. Was um, the girl, the wife, told them that they've got ninety thousand dollars 
that was the whole, pretty much the whole motive behind it. But even if he got the ninety thousand, he didn't. He didn't have the money because they had, you know. I mean, yeah. There's a little exchange where they're talking about this package of donuts. Would yeah. you rather have ninety thousand dollars or ninety thousand donuts? So like a little contest on this donut package. Uh, I'm just. I'm not sure why she picked a number that was out of reach. Like, why not be like we only have twenty thousand? Because they have to have this. They have to have the same number. Otherwise, Kirk would have gotten killed. And when they said, you're not the donut king, and then Kirk was like, $90,000, $90,000. Why not say what the actual number is in their account? Wouldn't that be a number they would both know? I mean... And things- that's also an, an amount that he can pull out. <laughs> I mean, things could change. I mean, I don't know. The, that aspect is a little confusing. But yeah, he is asked to take out 90000 and he doesn't have it. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's this whole bank sequence where he's like, <laughs> that's where he gets like a, the envelope cutter, I think. Yeah. Which gets him, it, it, you know, it's a little, a little far-fetched. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but it was fun. It was good time. This movie's so fast-paced. Yeah. The, like, even those little Im- implausibilities, you know, again, this movie and also The Hunted, both of these, these are like a tight, like 90 minutes, you know, especially in what you would call implausible thrillers, you need to keep it tight. To really suspend that disbelief. Yeah. Because if it, it goes baggy, you're going to start thinking about, mm, could, could this happen? Would this happen yeah. like that? <laughs> this movie moves along so quick, you don't really have time to poke holes in it. Because you're, just, you're going along just full throttle for the ride. So after he sees his wife thrown down in the cellar, he, he goes into their house. Yeah. He gets a gun somehow. No, he gets a gun from the car. Okay. From the red car. He yeah he arms himself and he goes right into their house and they're just they're having like a fun family meal <laughs> it's you know like you do I guess and the wife sees him first and the wife's like oh my god what are you doing Who he are he you? pulls a gun on all of them at this dinner table and it's a very yeah. intense scene and you know it seems like he he had, kind of has the upper hand he's yep. got the drop on them and then their son just kind of peeks out from behind and he's got uh, a rifle. And he's got it aimed at Kurt Russell. Yeah. So we got like a little a little standoff going. <laughs> and one nice little detail is like, you know, this young kid, he's aiming the gun. And like the kid's not tough. Like the kid is like breaking down. Yeah, emotional. the kid doesn't <laughs> want to do this. Like, his this, parents are yeah. egging him on. <laughs> yeah. So it's very intense. And yeah, he kind of swings the gun out and it shoots one of the other dudes. Yep. And then there's this whole scuffle where... Yep. Uh, you know, one of the guys runs away. I think Jack Noseworthy, and he kind of commandeers Red Bar and his wife toward the barn. Yep. And then that's where they get the wife out. The wife is uh, Red Bar's Red's, wife. Well, Red's wife is like, What's she's horrified. Going on? <laughs> she's Why is there somebody in a freezer? Understandably horrified. Yeah. And Red's game gig is up. Yeah. And he's 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 a son of a bitch, right? I mean, all the way to the end. He's yeah. like, you know, wherever you go, I'm going to be looking for you. <laughs> and he just kicks him in the face, kicks him down oh, the cellar. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. They get into a truck. They find someone's truck. Well, there's a trailer and a truck on, on the property. Is it Red's trailer and truck? They don't establish that, but it, there's a trailer and a truck that are that are that's on the property. And he gets the keys either, from like, the trailer. And Red, he he's freed by Jack Noseworthy, and he comes barreling down on them in his semi. He smashes yeah. right through the trail, right through the mobile home. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. Yeah, it's it's good times. And so, yeah, so they get in the car, and then we have a high speed chase. And so yeah, this is where it 
I mean, it becomes like, you know, Mad Max meets Spielberg's duel going on here. Yeah. At one point, Red's trailer becomes dehitched and it's like starts skidding across the street. And then Jack's car goes in the trailer and then blows up. Right. He goes flying through it. Yeah. The other guy, some other guy goes, tire gets shot out, goes flipping or something. Yeah, so, he, he tire gets shot out and his car flips a couple times and it bursts into flames. Love it. Love yeah. it. That, I mean, that's what I'm here for. Hey. <laughs> this is, so this is some good action. I mean, the movie just like ramps it up real, real but, fast. But Red didn't stop when the trailer was unhitched from No, his, he's still barreling. This is where it's like. still barreling This down. is where it's like Spielberg's duel. Like yeah. this unrelenting trailer just barreling down on this poor man. <laughs> And so, yeah, it all ends on this bridge. <laughs> I think you even called this out. Somehow, like, they end up, like, T-boned, like, sideways in front of it. Yeah. And you're like, why did he do that? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, because, I did Because we got to get to this final conference. Yeah, I didn't understand. They had to do it on the bridge. So it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> let's do your final standoff. But, let's... yeah, he, he ends up in front of the truck, Weird. pushed over the side of the bridge, just yeah. kind of, like, hanging off. You know, very cinematic, very improbable, but, yeah. you know, very uh, intense, and cinematic. Then, yeah, Red is pushing the truck and keep hitting the truck, um, trying to get the truck to go over, and then the wife gets pinned. Yeah, her leg's, like, getting crushed. Um, and then... They have, like, um, a fist fight on top of the the, the cab. Like, well, he, he, get, he gets into the truck, or the semi-truck, and then they start fighting. Yeah. And then... And, and then there's a chain involved. He well, they go, they go with a chain. over the truck or over one of the, the, the trucks. To, and so somehow the semi is over the bridge. It's like dangling over. Yeah. It's it's pretty nuts. And it's, it's crazy. <laughs> but when Red falls to his death, you cheer. Well, yeah, and he tries when, to whip him with the chain, but he grabs it and then pulls him over. Yeah. Right? It's like that kind of move. And then he just, I mean, he lands like face up on a rock yeah i mean you have to presume paralyzed yeah but he's still moving he's still moving like you see his head they we look, get a close look down up he's, he's, still, he's moving. still moving so the wife i think that's the key it's the wife the who kind wife. of puts it into drive yep. she um yeah she lets the semi slip off the bridge and it just it drops right on i mean good positioning yeah like, <laughs> perfect positioning all she had to do is just drop that lever and it just it you have to presume, like, it just pancaked him into, yep. into pink mist. <laughs> we don't see the pink mist. But it's something that would like, have been a little gory. Something like that is... It would have to be like an Eli, Eli Roth movie. Yeah, choose your imagination on that. But it's a pretty brutal death. And I was telling you this last night, but um, in, in Roger Ebert's review, you know, he gave the film a good review, but he was, he was not pleased with that final scene. I I am actually pleased with that final scene because with him moving, they leave it up for a sequel, and I'm I'm grateful that the director was like, nope, let's finalize this biatch. We're gonna we're gonna close it out. Well, they could have just had him dead. Yeah. From that first drop, you could argue. It's true. Yeah, I just I want to read you this quote from Roger Ebert's review. He writes. There is or was a tradition in Hollywood thrillers that the heroes in movies like this kill only in self-defense. By ending as it does, breakdown disdains such moral boundaries. I noticed, interestingly, that no one in the audience cheered when that final death took place. I felt a kind of collective wince. 
Maybe that indicates we still have an underlying decency that rejects the eye for an eye values of this film. Breakdown is a fine thriller and its ending is unworthy of it. So he took a real issue with it. I don't know. I think it's okay. I think... <laughs> I mean, I, I I called it out when you were saying, you know, when you first said that to me, that he didn't like it. Right. Like the ending of it. And I was like, it's probably because the hero never kills anybody. I mean, you know, flat out murder. Right. And like you said, he is still alive. So yeah. presumably this guy could get like medical attention. Yep. Rehabilitate. Yep. And then keep doing this shit over and over. Yeah. So it's kind of their moral duty. To not, I, I feel it. not let that happen, to yeah. turn him into Red Mist. <laughs> so... <laughs> the next movie is going to be Red Mist. <laughs> the, the sequel. <laughs> the sequel, Red Mist. <laughs> Comes back to the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, that's... I definitely would give this... Uh, this is a good date movie. Yeah, what great. 100%, I would give it an A. There you go. Yeah, we're in, um, we're in agreement. Yeah, this is an A thriller. Yeah. 100%. Very, and very good date movie. There we go. See? Yeah, I, I pick good ones. A man fighting for his wife. That's what love is all about. You said it. So, yeah, I mean, I, that is pretty much it on Breakdown. Yep. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll talk about The Hunted. All right. We're back. And uh, now we're going to talk about William Friedkin's The Hunted. The IMDb plot summary reads... An FBI Deep Woods tracker attempts to capture a trained assassin who has made a sport of hunting humans. This movie, it stars Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro, and it was directed by William Friedkin, the Oscar-winning filmmaker behind The Exorcist and The French Connection. So this movie has uh, quite a pedigree, just in terms of the talent. Yeah. It, it has a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not good. I nearly shit my pants when I saw wow, that. Wow, 29%? Mm-mm. I, I thought I would have gotten more than that. I mean, what what happened? <laughs> it uh, it made about thirty four million back in two thousand three, so this was a flop. And you know, I mean, you look at that Rotten Tomatoes score, and that you can kind of see why. I mean, critics weren't behind it, so uh, people didn't show up. Yeah, but I did. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I didn't until you showed it to me this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was it was kind of dismissed uh, by a lot of critics as a knockoff of Rambo, like First Blood. Mm. This is kind of like Rambo. Never saw Rambo. You're, we'll have to fix that. <laughs> this is like Rambo if uh, Rambo was the bad guy. And, you know, Brian Dennehy, who's like the, the antagonizing cop in that movie, if he was the good guy. Yeah. So, you know, in this movie, like Benicio, he's the bad guy. He makes such a great bad guy. Yeah. But I don't know if... It's kind of a weird performance. Yeah. He's given in this so movie. this, I mean... I think people also dismiss this because of, you know, Tommy Lee Jones. You know, once again, he's like... Uh, Cowboy, Lone Ranger. Well, he's he's tracking a fugitive. Yeah. Again. Oh, and yeah. he had done that a number of times at this point. So I think that there's that sense of familiarity. I'll say this. I think this is better than The Fugitive and First Blood. And I love both of those movies. The Fugitive is great. This movie has a lot less plot. You know, in The Fugitive, like, in the last act, there's a whole lot of plot to untangle. This I love plot. Right. <clears throat> I like character. You know, I'm more of, like, a character guy. And uh, you I'm know, a but, plot girl, so... I mean, you know, keep a plot for, like, a John Grisham book. You know, you, you got your plot in a novel. <laughs> you know, a film is a, a visual medium, right? Like, yeah. first and foremost, it's a visual medium. 
So, you know, to me, like, plot is, is kind of secondary. You know, I want to see how the visuals flow and, you know, how the characters interact w- with one another. And I just want to make sure a story, a movie makes sense, makes sense and keeps that my helps. interest. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's simple or complicated, it just exactly. it needs to keep your interest. So uh, this movie, it opens in Kosovo. And uh, Benicio, he's, he's a military sergeant, I believe. And he's kind of leading this raid against this, like, dictator. He, he's forming, he's doing, like, an assassination on this dictator in Kosovo. Yeah. And kind of like a big, like, wartime sequence. You and I even, like, were kind of debating, like, the opening shot. A pretty awesome opening shot. Like, there's explosions But if it was a on. miniature or, like, I felt like it was a miniature. Well, the scale of it, yeah, yeah. kind of pulled back. And, I mean, it looks very real. It looks full scale, but there aren't any people moving around in the background on that opening shot. So I'm not sure. Because if it was computer animated, they they would have made people be walking around. Yeah, it's not computer animated. It's it's not computer animated. But, yeah, the fact that you don't see, like, soldiers running around in the distance is is puzzling. But it's a cool shot. And and this is a, a pretty insane sequence. I mean, we see... Women and children. I mean, this is through Benicio's point of view, primarily. Yeah. But we see women and children getting gunned down and like filling up mass graves. Oh yeah, it was bad. It's pretty nuts. I it, mean, we're barely two minutes into this, yeah. And women and children are being thrown. I in mean, mass it, graves. it's wartime. I mean, yeah. and wartime. Yeah, this is for kicks. Yeah, it's shown as horrific. Yeah, this is back in like 1999. Yeah. I think this this raid is taking place, and uh, so uh, Benicio he ultimately does assassinate the, this dictator. Uh, kind of a cool moment where like he scales down the wall. Oh my yeah, with a rope like face forward. It, it, <laughs> like, that was kinda, that was super cool. That was nuts. I will I will say. And he yeah. cuts this guy up pretty bad. Like yeah. it's this isn't just like a knife into the chest. Like he's cutting him up uh, like pretty deep all across the torso into the <laughs> into the the neck into the groin. Yeah. Yeah. We learn like that's like the five point. Like fatality trick. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy Lee teaches him. But uh, yeah, so after that scene, uh, we introduce Tommy Lee Jones's LT. He's uh, he's living in British Columbia, and he's working for the Wildlife Fund. Yep. But he used to work freelance for the military, training uh, future operatives in survival. Yeah, combat so, and yeah. survival training. Yep. You know, in a flashback, we see them fashioning knives out of just rock. Yep. Just like just like a raw hunk of rock and just chiseling a workable knife out of it. And Benicio was one of the guys that he trained. And so it turns out Benicio, um, he's just, he's seen too much horror in his life. Uh, I think is the deal. It, it's kind of vague as to what exactly sets him off. It could be the women yeah. and children getting gunned down. I mean, I, I wish there would have been more of a psychological breakdown of Benicio Del Toro, yeah. So it's just basically him um, in Kosovo, and then you see the hunters in the woods, and then you find out that Benicio is is hunting hunters. He's given like a silver star, I think, in between, right? Yeah, but and that, kind of dismissed. Yeah, I, I think it's a little unclear. And kind of forgotten about, maybe. And like, I, I feel like we, I feel like there should have been some kind of like mental breakdown scenes all we really see is like a scene of him not being able to sleep very well and he turns on the light and just kind of like stares off into the distance and then that's it (laughs) and then he's killing people and yeah there's an early scene uh where he's like stalking these hunters and they're using like these high-powered scopes yeah and you know he has a thing about um you know a clean kill 
Um, you know, if you kill something with your hands, there, there's a reverence to it. Uh, he says something to that effect uh, in this film. And so, yeah, he kind of hunts them down with, you know, his little forest traps. Yeah. And uh, just butchers them with a knife. Pretty gnarly scene. Uh, one of these hunters is played by Rex Lynn, who we were talking about earlier in Breakdown. Uh, he gets he gets diced up. Real and, quick. <laughs> yes. Doesn't, doesn't have much to do in this movie other no. than die. Yeah. But it's a suspenseful sequence. And, I mean, this scene, it kind of it kind of sets the stage for how physically authentic a lot of these scenes play out. Yeah. There's, and uh, the camera work is kind of fluid and handheld. I mean, there's stunt work, but it's, it's all pretty fluid and convincing. Benicio the, plays a really good villain. I just love him as a villain. I do, a, too. As a He's villain. an Oscar He's one of the best. Um. I really felt like I didn't even put the fugitive thing together, but I could see it now. I bet, yeah, there's a sense of just familiarity with like the ad campaign. Like here's Tommy Lee Jones, he's he's on the hunt again. Yeah, tra- doing, tracking down doing the same guy. thing. Yeah, there was the scene. Uh, you know, Benicio, you know, is running from the law, and he's got he has a girlfriend, and the girlfriend has got a daughter. He and- sort of stops off at his. I guess like an ex flames yeah. house. Uh, we can we assume that they had some sort of romantic relationship, but they don't really go. Snap. They don't really go into it, but yet it was a big part of the story. Not a big part, but it was a good fifteen minutes of the movie, and I, I felt like that could have been just cut. Well, I mean, yeah. you cut that scene out. I mean, you barely even hit ninety minutes. Well, there <laughs> you is, go. This I is mean, a tight there, movie. There was no story to this, in my opinion. Well, the it was somebody is... going crazy and decides to go on a, you know, <laughs> man is evil murder spree in the woods, and he's pissed off at okay. his mentor because his mentor left him for dead. I mean, not not. Well, ignored ignored his uh, pleas for help. Yeah, uh, I guess he had a lot, he sent a lot of letters. Yeah, and LT just kind of ignored it. I mean, don't count on Tommy Lee Jones to be like you know a warm, like compassionate figure in your no. life. <laughs> like, he's Tommy Lee Jones. So okay, yeah, you're saying there's not a lot of plot. I mean, it really is like once yeah once he starts cutting up these hunters, Tommy Lee Jones is sent in to track him, and it's just a chase movie. Yeah, it's just a straight up chase movie. And you're saying the lack of plot, it, um, it well, there wasn't enough plot for mm-hmm. you. Who needs plot? Oh my, I, I just told you that I'm a plot girl. <laughs> like, there wasn't much plot, to plot is, go plot on for me. Plot even even the character. We don't know anything about LT besides that he is a survivalist. He's seen some shit. And he's living in the, in the in wilderness. The a cabin okay. in, in the woods. Does he have family? Does he, you know? Like he, it doesn't seem like he has any family. He, he has never he's killed. He's never killed anybody. They say that. So he's never been in the military. Yeah, he's, he's learned what he's doing from his dad. Right. Right. Yeah, he's a man of few words. I mean, this movie, yeah, I agree. It's not really interested in really developing or deepening these characters so much as it is in just the cat and mouse game. Yeah. Just the forward thrust of the chase. Yeah. That is what this movie's all about. At like a lean, like 93 minutes. I mean, directed by an Oscar winner, starring two Oscar winners. You know, the, the simplicity of it works. And because, I mean, all the stunts. I mean, this is a stunt-heavy movie. This is, I mean, this is... Some well-directed. This is man porn. I mean, (laughs) this is an an action-packed movie. Okay. Um, that guys can really get behind. It's really nonstop. Women are just like meh. Well, Connie Nielsen's in this. Okay. She's one of the FBI. 
She's like the lead on the FBI. Uh, I get she's it. She's pretty solid in this. Okay. I mean, this isn't. This is not really an actor's showpiece, other than like how physically committed everyone is to what they're doing. I like, mean, you don't see a lot of stunt doubles. Like, no hand to hand knife fights in this movie. The last scene. The last scene between Benicio and um, what's his face? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> what's his was face? really you, cool. You have two Academy Award winning actors. Doing a hand-to-hand knife fight on the edge of a waterfall yeah. is what's going on. And, I, I mean, I'm assuming in some of those wide shots, maybe there are stunt doubles. But in those close-ups, they look like they're doing everything. Like, there's no, like, CG backdrop. Uh, at another point, Tommy Lee Jones, he's dangling upside down over a running waterfall from his feet. <laughs> like, and that, I mean, that's totally convincing. I don't even know how you do that. Like, how do you how do you ask Tommy Lee Jones, like, hang by his feet over a waterfall? <laughs> I don't think that Tommy Lee Jones really did that. That was a... Well, okay, well then, how... how uh, it looked pretty real, Benicio Del Toro, yeah, of course. I could see him doing something like that, but not Tommy but Lee looked, Jones. But it looked real, though, didn't it? It didn't yeah. look like a stunt double. I guess I'm curious as to how... How did they do that? How the director handled... I mean, both to... Benicio... I mean, both serious yeah. method. I, I'm I'm thinking that Benicio is definitely a method actor. Sure. And, and maybe same with Tommy Lee Jones and just, like, really serious. I mean, are you joking around on set? I mean, is it just, like, a very, like, I, I would go nuts, I well, think. I, I'll bet it was a pretty serious set. Because William Freakin, he's, he's an Oscar-winning professional. Yeah. He, I mean, he takes the craft seriously. He's great. He's, he's one of the best. I mean, in the 70s, you know, after French Connection and The Exorcist, he was, I mean, he was up there with Spielberg after those two. And then he, and then he made Sorcerer, which is a great movie, but it lost a lot of money. Probably cult following now, right? A lot of his movies do. Yeah, some movies that kind of flopped uh, have been kind of reappreciated. He, he's one of those filmmakers where, like, pretty much all of his movies, even his flops, are worth looking at. There's yeah. something interesting going on. And so then after that, Benicio, he's he's apprehended. Tommy Lee Jones kind of helps get him apprehended. And he's brought in. He's brought, like, downtown to the police station for interrogation. And he's mostly uncooperative. Yeah. So, yeah, some of his old military buddies, they come in. They show a letter of, of transfer. He gets yeah. cut out of there and then transferred into these FBI guys' custody. And they don't have his best intentions at heart. They're going to, like, shove something up his nose. That... Yeah, they're going to kill him. Is that what it does? Yeah. What does that shove up his nose? It makes it look like it was an accident. Okay. So, they're yeah, they're, I guess they're going to make it look like a, a suicide yeah. or something. And... Or, like, a heart attack or an aneurysm or whatever. But they're, he, this guy is not supposed to exist. Yeah, um, they, they totally cut him loose. And that's, yeah, some of those details are left kind of murky. Yep. But during this transfer, like while they're on the road, Benicio, you know, he kills everyone in the car. <laughs> he like chokes <laughs> them out with like handcuffs and the car flips. And so then, yeah, but now Benicio is back out in the wild. And now it's really Tommy Lee Jones just doing what he does to track him. And yeah, there's a great tracking scene through like downtown Portland. Yeah. This is, a, this is an incredible sequence. It goes through like downtown Portland. This scene starts with like a car chase heading into downtown Portland. And it ends with them like climbing atop like a cable car. Yeah. All the way to the top of a bridge. Yeah. And then uh, Benicio leaping off, like fugitive side. Yeah. <laughs> Every time Tom and Lee Jones zeroes in on this guy, they leap off a bridge. So, uh, yeah. And so then that just sets the stage for the climax where they fashion their own knives. 
and they just they have it out. And this knife fight, I mean, we're talking like, I mean, this is a knife fight like you haven't seen before. I mean, like they're slashing each other's chests. I mean, they're cutting each other's like legs and torsos up. And it's, I mean, the like, the camera's not flinching away. Yeah, like they are getting cut up, <laughs> and it is, it is nuts. And it's it's really the actors doing this choreography. The filmmaking is is so physically convincing, and uh, to me, that's what makes it thrilling. And you know, so uh, I mean, all that action with like the lean runtime, is I mean, it's, you know, some of these scenes, I and mean, we were just talking about like we don't even know how they did it. Like, how do you dangle like Tommy Lee Jones over a waterfall? <laughs> I don't I don't know how you do it. So, yeah, this is just this is like one of the best directed like suspense action thrillers I've seen. And yeah, the the plot is light. In your opinion. <laughs> Well, I, like I said, that I that I've seen, in my eyes, yeah, that I've seen. I I'm not saying it's the best written. I'm saying I'm saying that like the the filmmaking is top notch. I mean, obviously, I mean it is a it's an okay film. Sure. Um, you know, you're obviously rooting for Tommy Lee at the end, and you're hooting and hollering for Tommy Lee, and you want you know uh, Benicio to get his justice uh, on Benicio. You want to see him get a knife to the groin and I mean, then to kinda, the neck, which, yeah. which he does. <laughs> but even Benicio's but that's the character... Only, that's the only way he was going to be stopped. Well, yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's he's a psychopath. But there's still... There's something sympathetic to him. Be, I mean, because, you know, you have this level of talent, they're going to humanize this guy as much as they can. And, you know, the fact that he's hunting people... He has a certain like credo, yeah. You know, he's he's hunting these hunters because he doesn't approve of the way they're going about hunting. They're hunting, and I don't approve of it. I mean, you I have don't like yeah, it's AR-15s it. with a high a high scope. Yeah, that, there's there's no real sportsmanship. Yeah. In, in that, and so you understand where he's coming from. You just you don't you, you don't sympathize with his actions. Well, he was made that way. I mean, the government made him that way. The government put him through this training. I mean, the, it, the government just, didn't give him any therapy afterwards. I mean, it, it just... I think there's a lot of empathy yeah. to this character, even though what he does is inexcusable. There, there's there's a lot of empathy to him. I mean, he's like a, he's like the slasher of the woods. Yeah. He's like, he's like Jason Voorhees, <laughs> just with a smaller knife. But I, I will tell you, I, I don't think it's a good date movie. For me, it's like a C movie. Mm. Mm. I mean, obviously, I mean, the movie visuals Ugh. look good, but I'm a plot person. The plot just didn't work for me. I, I've, I've seen Manhunt movies before. But not done like this. Not directed to, to this degree of expertise. This, this thing moves like a, a bullet. Like, it is wasting no time. There is no fat. There's nothing in this that doesn't absolutely need to be in this. And so I just I really respect the economy uh, to, to which this thing was made, just whittled all the way down. That is a criticism against it, that it's shed so much meat off the bone. Like, there's no meat. Yes. There's not enough meat. There's not enough meat for me. For me, it's it's plenty. And I, I, dig, I dig right in. <laughs> All right, that's our show. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DNMoviePodcast, and you can also email us at datenightmoviepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.